The Chitty Chat Update with Evan and Cormac. Yeah. You should bring your guitar out and do a little jingle with it. I can go grab it. Yeah. It, the notes would not make any sense. <laughs> that, is true. that is true. I don't know. I don't have like the ear, the ear training to just pull that off. That's for sure. The, 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 uh, you know how, um, when you're watching something with closed captions and it says mm -hmm. unintelligible dialect, you know, ears will be unintelligible guitar playing. <laughs> It'll say chitty chat jingle. And then with a little music symbol. There you go. There you go. Uh, foreboding soundtrack. Yeah. So, so you have a question for me. Well, I don't have a question for you yet, but okay. I, I do want to say that, um, you know, so obviously we both, both moved and all that other stuff. Everybody knows about this, but, um, one of the things that I'm now learning is the jokes that I heard prior to moving here about Michigan's schizophrenic weather, mm -hmm. they're, they're true. They're true. <laughs> <laughs> Not too long ago, I was out mowing the yard in short. Mm -hmm. My son's school, as of today, as of yeah. this recording, like anybody figured on. out, is they closed the school. Now, this is a school in you know the very, very far north reaches of Michigan. They closed the school because of the weather also known as 16 inches of snow on May 1st. Wow. And he yeah. says, that in, and he said that the snow was still coming down. And, you know, we haven't had snow in the Detroit metro area, but we have pretty much been in the 30s for a while. So second winter is upon us. Second winter. Um, second winter is upon us. And yeah, this is like uh, fr Frodo was, having second breakfast. Absolutely. So it it was okay. it was it was uh fall spring well, it was uh -huh. it was first winter fall spring yeah second winter and then apparently spring will come in a you know sometime it'll last about a week and then we'll launch right on into you know summer yeah i was going to say there's not going to be any spring it's just going to go straight to summer yeah it's not going to be the spring that we're hoping for <laughs> well I mean, I was just looking as you were talking and, and listening. I was listening while you were talking, actually. Carmen. Sure. But were. I was also looking. It's 50 degrees here right now. It was 94 yesterday. 94. So, yeah. Damn. Yeah. So uh, you second winter is also upon me. It's, it's drizzling <laughs> and 50 go. degrees. <laughs> and and it's like there is no such thing as, well, It's in, it's like cold. Or snowing, and then it goes to very nice and warm and 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 sun, and then it goes straight back, and it's like, yeah, when is it going to change? But also, where's spring? I mean, spring is not going to happen. I think it's the same thing. It's just it's just we just have winter and summer, and then winter and then no, summer. no, no. Spring happens for you between the hours of maybe ten forty five <laughs> to about eleven fifteen, right. and then you get to launch into whatever it's going to do next. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we were driving and this was the day after it was in the mid eighties. The next day I'm driving my daughter to school and it's, you know, ice raining 
in ice rain. It wasn't quite hail. Why does that? Why does the climate hate us? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's just like, <laughs> um, yeah. what's going on here? What is going on here? Indeed. I, I have a lot of grass to mow now. Like you said, you're out <laughs> mowing the grass. Oh my God. So it is kind of, it is spring. Like with the, the trees are leafing out now and yeah. I've, I've got about seven acres of grass to, to, to mow quickly. And so, uh, it's going to be, yeah, this is going to be a problem. And I, I got my second, uh, outbreak of poison oak this year the first awesome. i got the very the very first day that i moved in i got poison oak the neighbor's like you know about the poison oak right this was like after i had already tromped through it i guess <laughs> and then yesterday i was ripping out a bunch of old fencing that i'm getting rid of and uh i got it again i got it quite substantially this time before it was just one little patch nice. this is not one little patch this is this is going to be all over it's going to be really bad <laughs> Uh, I know this episode, and I get it bad. My skin's super reactive to it, so not not fun. On this episode, we search through home remedies for poison oak. Yeah, <laughs> maybe people can write in and tell us what the right uh, process procedure is to get rid of it. I've heard of Step uh, one, a thing called stay away from the poison oak. Stay away from it. Well, and the the thing is, it looks different here than what I'm used to in Southern California. And not only that, but it doesn't even have leaves on it really until right now. But before that, I, there were no, it's just sticks. And it's like, I'm just walking through sticks and it's very poisonous still. So even at stick stage. So anyway, yeah, yeah this yeah. is going to be awesome. Well, <laughs> so it's time for you to buy some sheep for your seven acres. Just to eat it all up. Just yeah. to, goats. A lot of people have goats around Okay, here. well, then there you go with goats. You see, you don't need to mow the yard. You just do it all natural. We have deer. We have a lot of deer that walk through, and they do munch, but they can't. I just can't eat enough. I, goats are the way to go, for there sure. But I, do you really want pets? I don't think we want pets or animals. So Goat, goat cheese. All, yeah. I mean. It's all good stuff. I mean, there's, you've got plenty of opportunity. I hear I hear you like hitting the table, like you, you believe in this exactly. stuff, the goat milk and the goat cheese and goat. <laughs> I think you're, I think you're missing the golden opportunities to go full on homestead. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. there we have a lot of plans, but we'll see how it all shakes out. Anyway, <laughs> here's the update on the homestead. We'll go, we'll go homestead first before we go farm. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So. Just make sure that you've made your fences so that, you know, your cattle doesn't like wander over to your neighbor's yard. And then you have this whole range war going on between you and your neighbors. Yeah. And right. Keep the peace. Just yeah. keep the peace. Um, uh, so I wanted to ask you kind of your perspective. Now, this is definitely something that we can have a much longer conversation about, but it just keep reading more and more the impressions of AI in architecture as this mm. sign of the end times. You know, it's just like, mm. oh my gosh, it's going to take our jobs or it's going to do this or it's going to do that. And I see AI in a variety of different ways. There's obviously the design implications of AI. There's, you know, implications within construction industry and things like that. And in, in I see benefits and I see some negative, negative connotations based off of, let's just say, 
maybe lazy designs and things like that. But I, I read one of our mutual friends comments and he made actually a really good point when he was basically saying everybody's fearing AI, but it's still going to take a keen eye to translate what it's saying. And it's still going to take a, a keen architect to translate that into, you know, reality to in, into like a built structure. In, in you're talking about like the design kind of most of most of what everybody ideation side of things exactly yeah. most most of what everybody's seeing right now is some form of um, it's going to do away with like the design aspects of things and, and though you know maybe it's going to sound harsh but maybe for the lazy architect sure it's going to take your job away because were you doing it right in the first place I know that sounds horrible but. I'm just, I'm curious, it's like, I mean, you, you spent a lot more time, um, dealing with technology and the implementation of technology in the process. And I'm curious, like just from, you know, let's just call it a, you know, bird's eye view of an opinion on what, where you see AI fitting into the design process hmm. to the, um, you know, how you. You know far more about it than I do. But let's just say that and let's go from there. Well, just to just to kind of set the the tone here, that AI that we're talking about is kind of the large language model based AI stuff that we're seeing all over the place, right? Where it's right. it's basically been trained on a model of lots of text that's out there. So if we're talking yeah. about like chat GPT, you know, from that standpoint, you're, I think you're also talking about the image generation stuff, yes. right? Like the mid, yeah. the mid journey, mid -journey the stable the, diffusion. Exactly. Yeah. So the, all of those are trained on information that already exists, right? So if it's the image version, it's been trained on a lot of images. If it's the text version, it's been, it's been trained on a corpus of text that's on the internet. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, one one thing to look at here is that it is a tool, and the toothpaste is out of the tube, and it's not going back inside. It's, the tube, right. Uh, nobody's going to unsee what they've already seen when it comes to this. And not only that, but the the there are tools out there that you can download and just run on your machine, and so you're basically downloading that entire training model with the tool. And it's using that that data set that's on your computer. It's like multiple gigabytes. And it's it's using that to come up with a response to whatever your prompt is right there on your machine. It doesn't have to be happening out there in a data center. And so what's interesting about that is like this is really not going away because a bunch of people have downloaded this stuff and they'll just continue to use it as it exists today. Right. So it's like downloading Photoshop and using Photoshop on your computer, right? right. It's like people are still using old versions of Photoshop, right? That they own instead of rent to own right? Um, through subscription services. But like, there's no way to put the toothpaste back in the tube. There's no way to stop what has already been started. Um, and even if that were the case, let's say that everybody did agree to just like, like, oh no, this is gonna hurt too many people's jobs. This is gonna hurt too many people's livelihoods or it's gonna do something nefarious or really bad or whatever. Even if we were to come to some kind of an agreement, like worldwide agreement, where regulation was placed on this kind of a thing, there would still be people using it, oh, yeah. including governments, right? Right, like, right. 
to do in secret. It just what they would, I mean, they would just continue to use it in secret for whatever purposes they could use as an advantage over whoever they wanted to use it over. So for anybody who's like worried about it, like there's, there's only one thing to worry about and that is your understanding and adoption of it. And, and, um, versus, you know, being left behind, I guess, if if you wanted to look at it that way. I mean, you could be worried about the way in which other people will use it, but you have no control over that. So, right. I mean, I don't know that there's, it's it's better to talk about this stuff out loud in front of other people and have the conversations about the ethics and the legalities and the advantages and the disadvantages and all those things than it is to not talk about that stuff. Because as a society, we have, even as a profession, we have to deal with this moving forward. Yeah. So, so I see, you know, what, what's interesting about this is I've most of like, especially, you know, mid journey and things like that. Um, I've seen a lot of pushback from the artist community and I can see that oh, I, sure. I, I can see their argument because what it's doing is it's mining their copyrighted imagery, you know, mm-hmm. it's their hard work, basically, you know, regenerating that. But I look at it in the way that we do, you know, precedent research in architecture. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, what are we doing? We're flipping through magazines, we're, we're surfing the internet, you know, we're looking at old books and things like that. We're looking at imagery of other people's works to try to translate some of the ideas that we have in our head out onto the paper, right? You know, we do, mm-hmm. a lot of times, like we try to do things in bubbles, but we're just like, okay, I'm just like, what is that one thing that I'm, oh, I know it, you know, I remember seeing something like that on Zaha's building or, or whoever. Yeah. And, and so yeah. we go and we look at those precedent imagery. And so in a way, it really isn't that different from kind of right. a precedent um, study. Right. Right. And well, there is a, there is the whole idea of everything is a remix and you can't, you can't disclude, is that a word? Yeah. You can't, you can't disclude everything you've ever seen or experienced right. to not inform whatever you're going to do next. And and so yes, I totally agree with you. I see the artists and I see the I see the argument mm-hmm. there, right? Which is don't sample pieces of my anything to make your own original artwork, but at the same time, that's that's what they've been they've been studying art. And right. when you study whatever the thing is or even look outside of the discipline or the domain, to look at other things like architects look at car design why because it's it's beautiful and because you can think about how that might apply to your field even though it's not in your field right 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 this is the kind of thing we do all the time and so what's really funny about like that whole image based stuff is like when the copyright getty images tag that's across all of the free versions yeah. of their photos yeah. shows up in the ai artwork and people present it as their own Yes. And they did because they didn't notice it. But and so, yeah, th- are there ethical questions here? Absolutely. I don't know what the right answer is. But at the same time, like progress is made by building on the work of others. Right. As well, well, I mean, think about this. I mean, I'm, OK, I'm going to do this big curtain wall and but I want it to be this nice flowy thing and all this other stuff. I mean, there's guess what? Sh- yeah, that's been done before. Exactly. They, ex- <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, how can I affect I would go to, like, say, the the Glenstone Museum. And the way mm. that they did their windows, I'm trying to get perspectives on their attachment details and how they've got this glass kind of like floating beyond and yeah. just trying to understand exactly how they did that. Because guess what? 
I want to do it too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You know, totally. I, I like that. I, I like that. And I, yeah, there was a yeah. project that I was working on that I wanted to do something very similar to that. Now, turns out for the budget that we were working on, the detail was way too expensive for what we wanted to do. And I had to do a, a Glenstone light type version of it. <laughs> right. But the inspiration for that particular idea came from somebody something idea. that I really liked from somebody else's building. And I and wanted to you know you. they didn't do the same thing. I know they did. Or I, I, I can, I can, I can show you where they, where they got that detail from someone else. Probably. Because I've seen, and, and they can't say that they hadn't gotten it from there or at least inspiration from that because it was another building published by another architect that, you know, was widely published all over the place, won tons and tons of awards and was out there. So it's not to say, well, oh, it was a, you know, trade yeah. secret kind of thing. Yeah. No, it wasn't. This is how progress is made. I mean, this is the, I mean, this is one of my, the, the whole idea of copyrights and trademarks and patents and all those things, mm -hmm. it all, it does hold back innovation. Yeah. It does because how innovation is made is by building on the works of others. Nobody can have a completely original idea in a vacuum right. and put that into the world. Like I, it, that doesn't happen. Like we are all a product of our environment and our upbringing and our, you know, all of these things, right. they're constantly influencing us. And so I don't see how, you know, it, I don't know how this all gets hashed out. It's being hashed out in public right now. Right. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, copyright is a real thing. It still is a real thing. It still is the law of land, right? right? Patents, they, they are. And so um, like, this whole idea of, of is this going to, oh, well, first of all, this thing doesn't run itself, right? This is not something that is, True. it's coming up with the ideas. It, we're prompting it to do something right, and we're right. giving it a goal to shoot for. And that could, just like we experienced in design studio and architecture school, when there was one brief given out and everyone in class came up with a variation mm -hmm. or a, or a unique in air quotes solution, right? Um, that this thing still does the same thing. You could ask it the same question a bunch of different times and you can still get a different answer every single time. And how did they, and how did they achieve those ideas? They went and they started looking at precedent images. They started looking at precedent yeah. studies of things and said, okay, somebody asked me to do a church. Okay. There's, there's a thousand different interpretations of churches. There's, you know, I, is mine going to be unique? No, I'm going to look at all of these different, you know, ones, and I'm going to try to like, maybe like get an amalgamation of, of a variety of different things. And that's going to be, the, and guess what? That's what AI does too. But yeah. And, and the, the thing is, is it's not an all encompassing solution. Oh no, it absolutely not. Go, it doesn't go from idea to construction documents it, to exactly. here's the actual building. It's, it's a very small piece of the puzzle. Will that piece get bigger and bigger over time? Absolutely. And I would hope that it would take over the more mundane parts and actually do those really well, because that's not our value anyway. We've talked about that on this podcast many times. Yeah. I mean, totally, because we, we know like how, how many times have you worked on a design or worked with a designer that, you know, they've got an intent, but that mm -hmm. intent has got to be carried out through construction documents, detailing and nine times out of 10, does that intent a 100% translatable to what the construction documents are? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Mm -hmm. If you're working mm -hmm. with a designer or you are the designer who actually understands construction techniques and you understand 
you know, the materials that you're working for, absolutely it could achieve that. But a lot of times, you know, people who don't understand a lot of the systems, they're going to go ahead and they're going to, this is the idea that I want. Now you have got to go and, you know, figure this out for me. Yeah. And, and so right. then, you know, then, uh, you know, a, a technical That's where the real work. Exactly. Begins, then right? a technical architect's running around and saying, okay, let me start looking at precedent images of construction <laughs> details that represent that idea. Yeah. And they're start, just ripping their hair out, oh, cursing the, yeah. the designer slash AIist. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Because <laughs> they already do that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm actually really interested in the text-based ones even more than the image-based ones. I do find the images that are being output fascinating. Like there are, like everything is a mashup. There are mm -hmm. new, there actually are new things being creative because people are taking things that don't seem to go together and the, the machine is kind of making sense out of it. So a building made out of bubbles, you know, like uh, feathers. Um, there, there's, there's so many interesting things. It, would it be difficult, if not impossible, to actually build that? Yeah, but that's not the point. The point is just to say, what if? And I think right. that's where right. people get excited when they see these. I'm much more interested in the text-based ones as a useful tool today. Um, because, yeah, people are excited about this stuff. They're, and rightly so. They see these images and it's like, oh, wow, this, is, this, this blew my mind. The text-based stuff is even more mind-blowing because you can actually use it all day, every day, if you want to get, I don't know, more productive, if you want to learn something. Right. And it actually is, you know, the way to look at this is it is a tool. This is a, it's a fantastic tool that on its lowest level is just the great ab aggregator. It, it will aggregate everything that it has been trained with to come up with the best answer that it can. Right. And what, and what's interesting about that is the, you can watch it type the words out when you type a prompt in. As it answers, it doesn't just spit the whole thing out at once. Mm -hmm. It actually writes it. And what it's doing is it's determining the next probable word that comes after these previous words that were all right. probable based off that first one. Um, and it, it's searching through its corpus of data to come up with an answer. But then even there, there's like this probability and predictability of the next word that it's going to put out there. And that to me is, is fascinating to watch it unfold. Uh, and, and again, as a, far as a useful tool, I think it's because it is a great aggregator, it's actually really good at answering questions, right? And so a lot of people are doing dumb stuff and just answer, asking it questions. Like I asked it, does it know about the Arcaspeak podcast, right? <laughs> and, and it gave me a really nice, succinct answer about the podcast. I mean, and it's a great then starting point. If somebody were to ask me, like describe the show. I could use that as a starting point. It doesn't mean it's 100% correct. No, guess what? People write stuff on the internet that's not correct all the time. Right. And that's its training data, yeah, right? I so I, I read those are, articles all the time. They're like, wait. <laughs> and they're terrible. Exactly. Yeah. But, but so yeah, you can't just take what it gives you and just say, this is it. It's like my, you know, 10th grade kids, you know, in his citation in his paper, for a footnote and it just says, see Google, right? It's like, no, like that, that, that's not good enough, right? You can't just say, uh, chat GPT told me this. So I, therefore. I will say this, that it's interesting. So my wife is, has now been teaching seventh mm. grade English. Mm. And so she's, chat GPT is an interesting conversation that teachers are having now because they're like, wait, 
earlier this year, you could barely put two words together to, or a few words together to form a sentence. And now <laughs> you have this, superpowers. now you have this <laughs> amazing paper that you've written. Either one of two things, AI did it yeah. or your parents did it. Because guess what? Right. You didn't do it. You did not, you did not do it. And, and she's just like, I know you did me. And so, so it's funny that they didn't, but you know, it's back to the, um, you know, you were talking about, so like it's, it's as simple as the, um, the word predictor, uh, you know, so many times in Outlook and you know, Google email and all that other stuff about if I'm writing something and it starts to prompt me to, you know, the rest of that sentence, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. That'll actually sound better than what I was about to say, yeah. which is, which is perfectly fine. I'm like, okay, I'll say that instead of the word and answers I really wanted to use. Yeah. I, I was actually looking into stuff today because uh, Joanna Stern at the Wall Street Journal is like their tech columnist. And she did a whole video on using AI and it was for writing, but she also made an she made an avatar of herself that looked like her. They, she went into the studio. They, they took photos. They scanned her with all these different um, gestures and, and body language movements. And then she went to another place and they built this whole voice thing based off things that she recorded with them. And it basically, she put together this whole package of, you know, fake Joanna, AI Joanna. And then she tried to trick people with it. Like she joined a Zoom meeting as this AI and she had these things kind of pre-written out for it to say, because that's the thing you can do, right? You can just feed it words now and it can sound like you. I'll tell you what, Cormac, like you and me, we're in trouble because there's a lot of audio of us on the internet, right? (laughs) We, We could probably have a whole show generated by AI and it would sound just like us and it would use mannerisms just like us and it would talk just like us. It might not get everything 100% right. I know it wouldn't, but it could. What's, what's really interesting is how it is. it does learn um, or it can emulate uh, what people sound like, what they look like, how they write and, um, and, and all that. I, I think what's funny about teachers is they're worried about students using it, but teachers are using it too and they, they can be. I saw one teacher... Mm-hmm post a whole lesson plan that she asked chat gpt to write and she's she, oh my gosh she did it yes she did it very thoughtfully yeah. she's like i want to do a lesson on this it needs to include these things it needs to have activities you need to break down the activities for the students into these five different categories and and she was like this is pretty incredible right because it just took an enormous amount of work that she would normally have to do and it minimized it down to a small a much smaller thing and to me that's really the what we're actually talking about right. here and one of the things that I see going around right now, and this I, I think this is true, is AI is not going to replace you. A person who uses AI is going to replace you. Right. Who, who knows how to use it well, right? Right. And yeah. what does it take to actually use it well? It, well, you actually have to start messing with it and find figure that out mm-hmm. uh, because there are a lot of ways to use it. But what are the ways that you're going to be able to use it to your advantage? to take over those mundane tasks. For example, um, I've seen several people uh, on the, in the Twitter sphere who have used it to write three-part specs, like decent three-part specs. Does it still need editing? Yeah, but not much. Oh, right? And go. so how many times have you sat down to yeah. write a three-part spec? Like, of course you're going to use somebody's template oh, to oh, do that. Oh, absolutely. That, that was exactly where I was going to go. I mean, nine times out of 10, you know, we don't really start from scratch. We either start from a manufacturer spec, a master mm-hmm. spec, you know, we, we look, you know, the multitude of different, 
you know, services online that, you know, will help you, you call provide, somebody, you know, or you and call they send you one. Like, Hey, you know, <laughs> right. and, and, and you would be an absolute fool if you just took that spec, blindly put it into your spec book yes, and, yeah. you know, called it done. So, so absolutely. If somebody wants to do like the legwork of a lot of them, but then you, again, like we just waved at the beginning of this, when we said, you still have to do the legwork. You still have to do the work to like, look to make sure that that's the right spec you're going to use and, mm -hmm. and tailor it to your project. Right. Like, so, so we always, we're always looking for, isn't it? We can't blame AI for this. We blame ourselves for this. We're always looking for the, not reinventing the wheel. Like can some, you know, when somebody says, you know, Hey, I'm looking for, um, you know, I need a detail for this. Like, oh, go look at this project here that we did. It has a very similar project. Obviously, hopefully it's implied that somebody's going to look at it and say, okay, that's mostly what I want, but I'm going to need to tailor it to my project or I'm going to mm -hmm. need to tailor it to what the, the actionable result needs to be. I need to work, but at least I am not having to start from zero. Yeah. You know, yeah. in, in, have you, have you, do you have a favorite use so far? Have you, have you been getting into it at all? Yeah. The problem is, is you just, it's just like, you know, the people who are going to replace the people who that's you, <laughs> I'm going to be replaced because I haven't used it yet. And the reason I, well, I mean, you know, I'm just so, you know, right now my life is, is so project related. You're a normal architect, man. You don't need to apologize. This is, I think, no, the life the, of every, the, it's like, the I don't thing, have time to do this stuff. The thing about it is, is that I would love to use it. I would love, I would love to you know, roll my sleeves up and actually get into it and just, just see what it is, see what the, the hype is. I mean, and that's why I said, you know, you know more about it than I, cause you've talked to a lot more people about it than I. you've, you know, you, you, you look at, you know, because, cause that is kind of like where your mind goes is, you know, it's just like, how can tech help us with all of these like mundane tasks so that we can actually do what brings value to the project from an architect? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I'm just the one It's just like, wait, there's the grindstone. Let me go put my nose against it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, the, the, I have a couple of favorite tools, but before I, I jump into those, I mean, I am definitely happy to make a couple of, of recommendations. Oh, but, I absolutely want. But the, the idea of what, of the, how big this is cannot be understated. Mm -hmm. This is huge. This yeah. is a really big deal. And for people who choose to ignore it, fine. Okay. Don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. But, but if you do, if you, if you do choose to ignore it, also understand how big of a, of a deal this is and is going to be moving forward. I, people call it like the iPhone moment, right? That, that's how that, that was a, nobody it was knew it at the time, but it was a, it was a big deal. You look back five years after that happened or 10 years after that happened, iPhone came out in 2007. Seven. Yeah. Um, I mean, so we're 15, 16 years into it at this point, and like there's it's it's not the biggest market share phone on the planet but it changed everything oh yeah yeah, yeah. It is, and and it turned a company that you know was doing okay to a the most profitable company in the world that's what this is for for tools and so everything is ai right now everybody's talking about it a ton of new services a ton of new tools people are using it for all kinds of stuff does that mean you can i know you can't like nobody can jump whole whole hog into this, right? You have right. to start with a, a piece 
And you have to build upon that because guess how much time you have to do this? You have very little time that you're willing to spend to jump into this. Right. Um, so that's one way to look at it. The other thing way that I've heard people kind of talk about the scale of this is, is like, this is where we went from like text files to HTML text on the internet. Like all of a sudden hypertext, the whole idea of linking mm -hmm. and creating links to other places and rabbit holes and rabbit holes where that can lead. It's incredible the depth uh, when you start linking these things together. And that is what this thing is doing is it's taking all these pieces of information, linking them together and then presenting kind of this connected dots kind of a, a thing. And and where does that lead you? It leads you to crafting your prompts a little bit more. Right. It leads you to doing more research into this and figuring out how you can make it work for you better. So again, I c you really can't understate how big of a moment this is in time and it's like it's like our kids can't understand what the world would have been like without the internet yeah I, the now we're talking about no one's going to understand what the world was like before uh, this you know quote unquote artificial intelligence the ai yeah you know okay so over my shoulder you know you can go, sort of see some things on the wall but um just out of camera view are the phone that i had just before the iphone and the very first iPhone sitting right next to each other. Welcome to Cormac's museum. And, I can see. <laughs> and so what's interesting about that is I felt like I had one of the most technologically advanced phones out right. before the iPhone. There was, was you had a trio. Or I something? had a Palm trio 750. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> and it was amazing. Here I was, I was checking like baseball scores in the middle. I mean, it was so. If I think about it now, how archaic it was in comparison to what we have but now, but, right, I, but right. at the time I was just like, this is amazing. Edge, this is, edge. this yeah. is like absolutely cutting edge. And then literally, um, what was it? Mid 2007, the iPhone is released and it comes out and yes, because I was using a Mac, I. I was using a Mac and I was like downloading my pictures from my Palm Trio onto the Mac and all that other stuff and go jumping through all sorts of weird little hoops to like get all the information from my phone onto this. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and make this jump because it's native Apple phone, native Apple computer. Hopefully the, the data exchange will be a lot simpler. And it was, but even more so was just this, this, what this precipice was that it was creating was, is that not just Apple, but everybody created these phones and everybody created something where now we are, you know, we, we sit there like this, almost our entire, I said, have next strain. So I, yeah. I sat there at a movie the other day and I would say at least half of the audience, um, and it, and there was no age group. It wasn't like just the younger folks and. Oh, it was, yeah. it was just, this too. everybody yeah. was like, like checking their yeah. phone during the, go to a restaurant in me. Yeah. I just like, I, I put it in the cup holder and I leave it alone until the movie's done because I'm like, you know, I paid for the movie. I want to see the movie yeah. kind of thing. But like, that is now the existence of things. And you're right. It, it is going to be, and I didn't mean to go on that tangent, but with just this, like now we are here moving to the next phase. It mm -hmm. AI is. You know, AI was introduced on our phones with the predictive text and things like that. It just wasn't like labeled as AI. 
or even right. though it was. And so, well, and it's happening in our ph photography as well. Oh, like absolutely. In, in yeah. yeah. I mean, you know what? I don't really want Evan in the background of my picture. You're gone. Well, there's that part of it. There's that part of it. And, but then there's this, the, the, like the neural networks yeah. that are used to sh automatically sharpen certain aspects of the photo. Yeah. Find the eyes, do the thing to the, make, you know, oh my or, or find the right frame right when the person's smiling and their eyes are open. Right. So they're not blinking and, and it's doing all that kind of stuff behind the scenes and it's giving you what you want. Like when you thumb back through those photos, those are the photos you want to see, not the ones with your eyes closed where you were blinking and right. not the one where you, yeah, this is exactly when was the so last. It has been training us, yeah. but. We yeah. was the last time you saw a red eye. Right. I mean, right. It's not a thing anymore. It isn't. You know, I went back and looked through some old photos and, and I, I have this old Canon PowerShot 800 or something like that. This little camera that was awesome. Pocket mm -hmm. camera. Yeah. The red eye that came out of that camera was horrid. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Use the flash. It was gross. Right. And, and then it, they came out with these feature to remove the red eye. Oh, my gosh. You yeah. zoom in like, on those photos and, and it looks like. like little... It looks like pinholes. Exactly. In the eyes, like you you, you, you add out. like the little black dot or something like that to the pupil. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It oh. was really bad. I remember doing I that. I found some photos like that the other day, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is how it used to be. I can't remember how bad it actually was, but here it is. Yeah. 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 Fun stuff. Well, the the idea of of tools to use for AI, we could talk about that a little bit. So we talked about mid-journey. Hmm. Mid-journey is a little weird because you have to use it through a service called Discord, which is free. Um, it's like a, it's kind of like Slack, but it's a little bit different. It really came out of the gaming side of things where people who are playing the same games would get on Discord and have that running at the same time. So they had real-time chat going with whatever game they were playing, but it's grown to a, a huge communication platform outside of that. And a lot of companies run Discord servers, but, but what somebody did was they hooked up this AI large language model trained, you know, image-based model thing to Discord. And what is cool about that? You just type right into Discord what you want it to do, and it does it. So they're basically using Discord as the UI, the, the user interface as the application that runs on your computer to spit out images. And so the cool thing about that is a lot of people already know how to use Discord, right? So they're on there chatting and but they're not chatting with other people. They're just telling the computer what they want to see. And it's sending back four images, four variations, basically. And then you can hone in on one. You can tell it to go higher resolution. You could tweak it some more. The really interesting thing about this, though, and I think what makes this so successful is while you're waiting for the computer to generate the image for you, which takes a little bit of time, you're watching everybody else's prompts roll <laughs> in, too. Interesting. And so while you're waiting or, you know, you're, you might not even be going there to do anything. You can just go there to watch other people do it. And that kind of has its own, uh, you know, this, it just makes it super interesting and inspiring to see what other people are coming up with. What are the other ideas that people are throwing at this machine that it's then spitting out ideas for, which leads you to want to do the same thing, right? Like, oh, I didn't, I never thought of that. I'll try that now. So... I mean, if you go to Midjourney's website, there's a link. It opens it up. You have to download Discord. Discord's free. You run it on your computer. And, you know, at the free tier, you get to generate a certain number of images at a very low resolution, and you can pay for more. Right. Um, I have, I've used it a little bit, but there are other ones out there that you can actually download the whole model to your computer, and you can run those 
right in the privacy of your own home. You don't have to be connected to the internet. Like I mean, what I mean by privacy, your own home is you're not watching other people. They're not watching you do this. Right. So pu the public aspect of the discord thing with mid journey is kind of interesting, but it's also might be something that you're not willing to, to dip your toes into. Right. Um, if you want to just control the whole environment, you can, you can download some other ones that are out there. That's for the image generating stuff. There's so many other things though. There's people generating videos. I don't know if you've no seen lately oh. the pizza commercial that somebody had generated by AI. Yeah. They had chat GPT write a whole script and then they had it write some music to accompany it and it cut and shot, uh, you know, it generated the visuals for this whole pizza commercial. And it's weird, man. It's super weird. I saw another one today for a beer commercial. And Ooh. it's weird. It's super weird. I mean, it's yeah, just like I've turned this down. Yeah, we'll have to find links to those and put them in the show notes. But they're because they're they're pretty funny. But at the same time, it's like you can see where this is going to go, right? So these are stepping stones to get to the mm -hmm. the final destination, wherever that is, if there ever is a final destination. One of my favorite tools to use is Notion. I use Notion for all of our show notes. I use right. it for like all of my stuff that I, it's like my one place where everything goes. And um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but Notion has its own AI. And what's really cool about it in there is it can summarize large blocks of text. So if we do this podcast and then I transcribe this podcast, maybe I'll do it with this podcast and everyone can go in there and read the description. Let's, let's do it like that. I'll, I'll, I'll transcribe the podcast. I will load the transcription into Notion and I'll just tell it to summarize this text. And it uses Notion, Notion's AI to spit out a paragraph that is what this episode was about. And we can all read it after the fact and see how close it got. I think that that to me is kind of a superpower of AI at the moment is it can take a big chunk of text. Like in this case, we're already at like 42 minutes into the podcast, right? That's a lot of words, and it's going to take all those. It's going to derive kind of topics that we talked about, which it's going we're going to be talking about it, right? Right. Yeah. And it's it's going to write a summary about it in one paragraph, and it's going. I can guarantee you, it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> I won't edit it at all. We'll just go straight with it, and you know, maybe I'll put a little disclaimer in the front so that I can I can say that it was written by. Uh, notions AI, but I find that to be one of the most useful tools. You could have it write blog posts for you then based on that. So I could even then say, write a blog post using this, this text as kind of the basis of that. Um, that's one of my favorite tools. And then the other one that's easy to access is just chat GPT itself. If you go to chat open AI, something like that, I'll find the link and put it in the show notes. Um, but in there, you, that's where you can just ask it questions and it'll, it'll answer them and it will pull things off the internet and put them together and, and give you back kind of what you're looking for. That's where I asked it about ArcaSpeak. Do you want me to read what it wrote? Sure. ChatGPT says, the ArcaSpeak podcast is a popular podcast about architecture and design hosted by Evan Troxell and Cormac Phelan. The podcast offers a wide-ranging discussion on topics related to architecture and design, ranging from project management and design principles to technology and sustainability. One of the key strengths of the podcast is the diverse range of perspectives that the hosts bring to the table. Each host has a unique background and expertise, which adds depth and variety to the discussions. Additionally, the hosts have a great rapport with each other, making the podcast engaging and entertaining to listen to. Sweet. Another strength of the ArcaSpeak podcast is its focus on the practical advice and insights. 
The hosts can often draw from their own experience in the industry to provide listeners with useful tips and strategies for navigating the world of architecture and design. This makes the podcast a valuable resource for professionals and students alike. Final final piece here. Overall, the ArcaSpeak podcast is an informative and engaging podcast that offers a unique perspective on the world of architecture and design. With its practical insights and diverse range of topics, the podcast is a must-listen for anyone interested in the field. Wow. It wrote that. I could, which I wouldn't have even explained it that well. Well, and could you have done it in 20 seconds? No. Because <laughs> that's like how long it took to output that. And if and you think about it, if you or I were to craft it, even if we would have gotten to that, that level of explanation, it still would have taken us a hell of a lot longer than that. Well, what's interesting to me is it has not listened to our podcast. Okay. Like that's worth saying. It doesn't actually know any of this stuff. It's not been fed any audio <laughs> that the audio up to this point in this podcast has never been transcribed by us, at least. Right. It could be, a, I guess it could have been by others. Um, and so what it's doing is it's reading stuff that we've published on our website, in our show notes, on our about page, things that we've posted on our own posts on our own blogs about the show. People have written about our podcasts right. in various periodicals around the internet, like Architects Newspaper, the AIA, NCARB, you know, Archetizer, Arc Daily. Um, we've shown up on those websites before. And so what it's doing is it's connecting the dots between <laughs> all of those things. And it definitely has a very easy to understand kind of output, right? Like there was no I don't know what grade level it writes at, but it's probably better than what most people write at online. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, but it's also very easy to understand. Like there was no, there was no Arcaspeak in that, in that exactly. explanation. Right. Uh, so it's not tailoring it to an audience per se, right. It's, it's making it a description that's kind of available or, or digestible by just about anybody who were to read it. I feel that needs to be our press release. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just chat GPT. And, and the, the model that they used to train chat GPT was cut off in 2020 or 2021. So it doesn't even have like the last two years of internet hey. in it as part of the training model, which is coming out in future release versions of, of chat GPT, like GPT-4, GPT-5. But what's interesting about it is how well it did with what it had to work with, which was, I mean, we've obviously been doing this for a long time, right? Since 2012. So it had something to go off of. So if right. you've just started a podcast in the last few years, it might not know anything about it. Um, and what I've also found is it's really good at taking, uh, like we're good at this as architects, right? We'd like to redline things. We can, you can correct it. Oh, so yeah. if, it, if, it, if it gives you the wrong information, you could say, that's not right. Actually, it's this, and it'll say, it'll apologize. It's so sorry. <laughs> it's not sorry, but it's trained to say that. And so what happens then is it will re, it'll come up with a new answer, taking what you just gave it into account. So you could correct it and you say, you know what? It's not Cormac Phelan. It's Charles Phelan III, right? And it would, it would say, second. I'm so sorry. You know, so, second, sorry. <laughs> it'll go back in there. Well, you could be the third and the fourth. You could be as many, whatever number you want. <laughs> and it, it will actually correct it. It will spit out a new version with the corrections in it. And I think, okay, that's that's actually useful, right? So yeah. I don't even have to do that myself. So 
anyway, these are some fun tools to play with. I, I highly recommend that people actually do it because if you don't, and there will be people who will come, will come take your job, <laughs> who know how to use it. Look for, look for, uh, my article on Evan trucks. <laughs> second. Yeah. Huh? Wait, to, I'm, I'm writing something about you now. Are you? I am. Just, for, I just had a cute, well, I won't be. Yeah. 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 I, I'm definitely interested in it from like a production standpoint and the, the whole idea of using it to do the mundane tasks that yeah. I'm not interested in doing anymore. Uh, I think that is really where there are jobs in architecture that will go away or get severely reduced. That happens naturally, by the way. Look at how many spec writers we have nowadays in our offices, right? It's, it's yeah. those people are like finding, you know, uh, they're, they're the unicorn. They're hard to find. And so that will happen, but I think it's going to happen to more people and it's just going to make, make those who are willing to get into it and embrace it more productive and not that productivity is the end all be all, but right. we know what it's like to do a project. And there's a lot of stuff that we should not be doing. But you make a good point and you've, you've said this countless times that we look for tools to help us with the more mundane tasks that mm -hmm. architects have to do, but they don't really want to do so that we can do more of what we want to do. And, and honestly, in a way that kind of like reconnects us back to the passion that got us here in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know, when I hear people say, oh, there's just too much this or too much that in architecture, I just want to do this. Okay. Well then let, let other, let other tools do those things that you don't want to do. There are some like doe-eyed, uh, you know, gr graduate who says, okay, yeah, I'll do all of your PowerPoint presentations or I'll do all of this for you. No, they want to do the same, the, the fun stuff too. Right. Right. I, I saw somebody post recently that they went to a, and I can't remember who it is or else I would, I would name drop them because, because they're a friend, but they went to a uh, jury, be a jury, right. At a school yeah. for, for reviews. And they said there was a lot of chat GPT and Midjourney on display, a lot. And so, I mean, what's interesting about that is it's not being hidden, right? This yeah. is something that people are using out in the open in their presentation, in their presentation work. And, and you can cite it, right? I don't, I don't, there are ethical implications, especially on the image side of things. I don't know so much on the tech side of things right. because while I would assume that there are still uh, ethical implications on the on the text side of things. People don't seem to be making such a big stink about it. But but on the image based stuff, like they're being encouraged to explore. I don't know. They're not selling a service. These are students, and so they're not capitalizing at least right now on it. But mm -hmm. and so that all I think is something that needs to be like figured out, potentially regulated. But this is. It is happening. And so it's like if if the next generations of, of emerging professionals who are not in the profession yet, but are just getting their start in it, are using it that heavily, like there, this is going to be something that everybody is going to have to deal with at some point. That's interesting. Oh. So I was just in a jury last week and nobody used I don't know. I mean, there was, it wasn't like text-based. It was all image-based because it was a second year studio, but there was no 
AI involved. I mean, maybe it was just, maybe it was outlawed. It's like, you, you could do it, but you can do it a little bit later. It could, we could be, could have been like, you cannot do that. So that, that could be the case. But then there are the other ones who are like, no, you have to do it. It's got to be part of this project. And so like, there's a, there's an architect and a professor that I follow. A gentleman and a scholar. A gentleman and a scholar that I follow on Instagram, uh, Brian Kelly, who he's been, so he used to post some really like just intriguing sketches and drawings and things of some architecture that he's, he was working on, but he's been, I don't know, it's, it's been a while actually that he's been posting, uh, AI, you know, generated imagery and it, it still has the same kind of like intriguing qualities of like the stuff that he was posting, but now mm -hmm. he can like iterate a lot more with AI to like really do explorations that, sure. you know, otherwise would take him oh, uh, yeah. weeks to do a few where it takes, you know, a day to do the many. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is one of its superpowers. If it, if you want to call it that it's, it's one of those things where you can iterate like crazy. And I think it's kind of addictive <laughs> to do so. Right. And yeah. so yeah. it's hard to stop once you start. Um, Anyway, I, I think it's, it's pretty, pretty incredible stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got another friend. She like was just like, oh, you really should really try out mid journey and went on this, you know, full adventure of mid journey kind of like explorations. And they were amazing too. I mean, it wasn't just like, mm. you know, it, some of them were a little bit more fantastical. There were, you know, kind of like, I don't know, architecture meets, um, some, some fairyland. I don't know. But, you know, they were just, they were still pretty amazing stuff. And it's just things, it's just like, okay, think about like pre mid journey, pre AI, all of the explorations, say like Gary and all of these other star architects, Zaha and, and all these other ones were doing on some really creative, really organic work that, you know, then they had to like turn around and like try to almost, they, not almost, they developed their own like software for structuring oh, yeah. these things and, and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and I, I just read an article, um, you know, by the Zaha, Zaha, the, um, you know, continuing firm and, you know, they use AI to generate a lot of them. Funny enough, if you look at them, it's very Zaha work. Right. Well, cause there's a lot of work to base it off. Exactly. Of. I mean, I think that is one of the actual advantages of some of the newer things that I've seen coming out is that you can. Like Microsoft now has uh, announced that you're going to be able to use this inside your organization. So they're building it into tools that you use every day, like Microsoft Office, <laughs> right? So if you wanted to generate meeting minutes from a recording, and it, it could do that automatically. Thank oh, gosh. Guess who wants to do meeting minutes, right? Nobody. Exactly. Um, but it, it can do it can do all kinds of things like that. And what's interesting to me about it is you can actually train it on your data. So if you're a firm that's been around for 50, 60, and you can get the data into it to train it off of. And what's beautiful about, I think, a lot of the training here is it doesn't have to be structured data. Guess what architects don't have? Structured data, right? So no. You can actually feed, yeah, really? So you can feed this stuff in there and you can train it based on the Ayer St. Gross way, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting because then you could have it spit back stuff back out that looks and sounds and feels like 
ASGs kind of work. And and so I think firms will be interested oh in adopting yes. this kind of stuff because it's not that like I think about this. I was laughing when you were talking about how Gary and they've developed their own software. They they also developed their designs with a lot of very cheap, if not free, labor, right? And so True. were those spectacular designs? Yes. Were there ethical implications to those spe spectacular designs? Absolutely, right? Yeah. And so I think now what's interesting is there's a lot of people complaining about this stuff, but they're also not too worried about exploiting people to do so. True. And so now if you can get that kind of output without exploiting people and actually get letting people... You've seen the meme, right, where it's like first-year student, and they, there's this design. Second year, it's like pretty cool. Third yeah. year, it's like really cool. Yeah. And then fourth or fifth year, it's like a, a toilet. Uh, you know, it's a bathroom floor plan. Yeah. It's like that, that's, that's the progression of an architect is you build up your design chops, and then you get to draw bathrooms. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw so that. So we get, we get rid of that model, right? I mean, and and. Are people going to, people are complaining about that, I think. They're complaining like, well, you know, you've got to suffer like I did. You've got to learn how yeah. I did to do it. And I think this is actually kind of one of the first times that technology is actually making it so that we don't have to keep doing it the way that we've always done it. We actually can shortcut and not start over again um, because we can, you know, who wants to be a millionaire? We can phone a friend. We can type it something into chat GPT or we could do an, an image-based discovery session and we can actually have it generate things for us that we don't have to spend all night doing. Right, right. right. So anyway, I think that there's other implications that we should be looking at it as with with open eyes and saying, like, this is actually a game changer for us as a profession potentially, and we can do so much better because of it. You had me at meeting minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to do them, but you sure regret when you don't have them. And somebody says, well, I didn't say that. And you have no, no way of proving that they did. And I mean, recording many minutes. Yeah. I'm so old. Right. Let the future begin. <laughs> right. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, I think we, yeah, you're right. We should do a deeper dive at some point with some, some better, uh, you know, research and, sure. uh, and probably some experience. But I think that, um, I think that this is something that should not be ignored. And so I appreciate you prompting the question with your <laughs> expert prompt prompting skills. Go, uh, go use that on the, on the AI now. Now I have to.